0: The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. As I said last week, you want to circle or underline those the word one. That's going to be key and common through this. And then as well, the, the phrase, let us, all right? Uh, it says, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there, and they said one to another, go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to let us build a city build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad from the face of the whole earth. Notice the rebellion that's there. God had said, go into the whole world. And they said, no, right? We're making our own. We're making our own world right here. We're making our own kingdom right here. And it's going to rival that of heaven is what what the idea is. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one. And they As we began last week, we began dealing with the doctrine, the two doctrines, the doctrine of the serpent, which leads to the doctrine of the tower. Now, ultimately, the doctrine of the tower that we're going to see is simply the practicing of what the serpent said in the garden. You know, the serpent said in the garden, did God really say? The serpent said in the garden, well, you shall not surely die, but you'll be like gods. You're going to be better off for eating the fruit that God is withholding from you. That was the idea. And so we find that the Tower of Babel ultimately is putting into practice what we call mystery religion or Babylonian mystery religion, right? Uh, looking at the the harlot, uh. Her, the spiritual harlot uh, herself that is mentioned in Revelation. Uh, what we see here is that this is spiritual idolatry uh, going all the way from the Garden of Eden through this place called Babel now. But ultimately, this is going to be the root for every other religion that is not biblical Christianity today. Every religion out there today, you're going to see it. You can even see it on the chart. We'll get to it in just a little bit. But you're going to be able to map these things out and to see... That there are two religions, all right? This is going to be our bookends, and this is going to be our theme throughout as we study uh, the Tower of Babel. There are only two religions in the world. Out of the thousands that are claimed to be, there are two. There is Bible Christianity, and there is everything else. There is everything else. That lump could be called a multitude of things. It could be called idolatry. It could be called blasphemy. It could be called spiritual uh, harlotry. Uh, It could be called mystery religion. It could be called Babylonian mystery religion. It could be called a multitude of those things. Nevertheless, they're all one and the same because ultimately what you find is with every other religion outside of biblical Christianity is that they ultimately believe the same thing. Now they all say and many progressive Christians and I use that term incredibly loosely, would say today that everybody in the world worships the same God. No they don't. Right? They would say that everyone ultimately is going to go to the same place when they die. No they won't. Right? And so this is a huge issue. This is a huge issue because we've had folks who have written books that have been incredibly popular, speakers in the quote-unquote Christian world who have written books that are talking about the fact that there is uh, universal messiahship, universal God uh, fatherhood, universal salvation, uh, that all, ultimately all religions are one in the same. They are not. It is a denial of scripture. It is heresy. It is damnable heresy, as a matter of fact. It is a denial of the gospel, and ultimately it is rejection of who God is. Ultimately, it is to go the way of misreligion. Did God really say? And not only did God, re- uh, did God really say, but we can have and obtain our own enlightenment and awakening within ourselves to find our own truth. That is what misreligion comes down to. Now, the doctrine of the tower here, what we're going to see is that Nimrod ultimately acts as a unifier and practitioner of the above beliefs that we've seen already la- beginning last week. He acts as a picture of the Antichrist, and his work is done in rebellion against the will of God. Now, in the very end of days, in the tribulation period, right? Now, here's, here's what I want to help us out with a little bit, all right? Let's do a little chart, all right? Y'all imagine this with me, okay? Let me go over this way, all right? Let me think more. we're at, all right. Here we've got the cross. Jesus dies. That's three days, okay? Jesus resurrects, okay? Uh, i got, I got a long ways to go here. Jesus resurrects. He ascends. What happens the moment that takes place? Well, most of us would say this, that the church age uh, begins. It it absolutely so, right? Correctly. Nevertheless, we have to understand this as well. What else begins in those days? What is called the last days? The last days have been since Christ ascended. Uh, Now, why is that? Because from the moment he ascended, they were waiting and going, okay, well, he's going to come back any minute now, right? Uh, The early church anticipated now, the, the coming of Christ, they were motivated by the coming of Christ. They firmly believed that Christ would come and is coming and will come. And now Jesus has said that, and we believe the same. Now, it's been quite some time. Now, we've gotten to this spot. Now, what is going to bring about that tribulation period? I want you to know the only thing that we are waiting for is this, for us who are alive and remaining under the coming of the Lord to get out of here, right? We're waiting for the rapture of the church. We're not looking for uh, an antichrist. We are listening and looking for our Christ, our Messiah, who is going to call us people home. Now, if you'll notice, every other religion in the world today is looking for a Christ as well. But they're not looking for one to come back. Some of them are, but they're going to be duped into believing in an Antichrist. matter of fact, even the Jewish folk, uh, even every other worldly religion today, you, you look at Hinduism, Buddhism, they all have a figure of a future coming Messiah. How about this? Even his, Islam. Did you know that? Islam believes that Jesus was a prophet. Matter of fact, they believe that Jesus was the greatest prophet outside of Muhammad himself. But they believe that there is another figure that is going to come, who is going to bring about world peace and domination. Who's that? Antichrist. So we find that every religion that is out there today believes in an end times. Every faith group, every religion today has an end times or what we would call an eschatology, a study or a belief system of the end times. Now, what we believe is, according to the Bible, is that Jesus has died, been risen, has ascended to the Father, and now makes intercession for us and is coming back for his bride, the body of Christ. Now, here's what's going to happen. We have a rapture. We're gone. Now, I do not believe, first and foremost, that this is going to look like the movies, the Left Behind series and stuff, where... Uh, there's going to be planes falling out of skies and things like that. You say, well, how come? Well, the, the Bible talks about this. Jesus says, when I when I come again, will I even find faith? But well, we have to understand this as well. There's going to be a falling away first. Well, who falls away? Well, it's not the world that falls away. They're already fallen. It's the church that falls away. Even the elect could be, will be deceived. Even what we find is that those who are claiming to be Christians will be deceived. And what we are finding in today's average modern Christianity is absolute and total deception. Most folks who claim to know or to claim to be a Christian do not even know what it means to be a Christian. You ask the average person around here today, right? Hey, are you a Christian? Yeah. Well, why? Well, because I am. I, I, I go to church or I do good things or I believe in God. Well, loads of people believe in God. The demons believe and yet they tremble. We've got to understand that believing in that there is a God is not salvation or being a Christian. A Christian is someone who has been born again, who has been saved by grace through faith. They have trusted in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for remission of sins. That's salvation. That's what being a Christian is. Now, when Christians are out of here, things are going to get much worse. But well, we've got to understand this. I believe in a pre-trib, pre premillennial return of Christ. Now, we've got to understand, though, this does not mean that just because we're saved from the tribulation, as in a period in an age of time, seven years, that we will not experience tribulations. There will be plenty of martyrs. I believe that you and I are going to see wars. We're going to see rumors of wars. We're going to see earthquakes in diverse places. We're going to see a multitude of issues. Nevertheless, this is not our eternal home, this is not where our hope lies. And even if we lose our head before Jesus comes back to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. So nevertheless, the worst thing that can happen to a Christian is we die and go to heaven. So it's not that bad. But things will get worse and worse. Matter of fact, that's what the Bible says. Specifically, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. So uh, any eschatology that says today that things are going to progressively get better or that we're going to make things better or bring in a revival, and then Jesus is going to come back is hogwash and has not truly understood the Bible. The Bible makes it clear. Jesus' own words make it clear. Things will get worse. You know what that means? Things will get worse. Not things will get kind of worse and then they'll get better. No, they will get worse. The only way that they will get better is after the seven-year tribulation, when Jesus comes back, he will rule and reign for a little thousand years, what's called the Millennial Kingdom. He will rule and reign literally there in Israel. He will uh, come back to the same Mount of Olives where he ascended up to the Father from. And so what we find is we've got this whole end times understanding. Now, here's what happens to us. When we think of end times, we think of like left behind series, and we think of Mark of the Beast, we think of microchips, we think of all sorts of stuff, right? We've got to be careful here. Now, we have to understand, though, that everything is leading up and preparing for that great day. And there will be a man of lawlessness, son of perdition, who's going to come and step onto the scene, who's going to go, I've got all the solutions to all The problems. Ultimately, what we find is that Nimrod acts as a picture of the Antichrist. So what is this end times Antichrist going to look like? Well, one, there's going to be a global unification. It's going to be, why can't we all just get along? We're all going to get along. Why? What brings about the tribulation? What starts the tribulation? Not the rapture. Did you know that? The rapture doesn't start the tribulation period. What starts the tribulation period? A peace treaty with Israel. Now, why would there need to be a peace treaty with Israel? Y'all know how big Israel is? About yay big. You know how many enemies they got? A whole bunch all around them. Now, why in the world would they need a peace treaty? Why would the world make a peace treaty with Israel? Because before the tribulation period starts, Israel's done whooped some tail, right? There's going to be some wars that take place, and, and the folks, I believe especially the, the Muslim world, is going to come against them, and they're going to put a hurting on them, right? So the Antichrist is going to step on the scene and is going to go, hey, I'll broker the peace here. Here we go. Now, now we've got peace. It's going to be a unification of the world, a false peace. And ultimately, the Antichrist is going to rise up in his power. The Antichrist is going to have power to do signs and wonders. And people will believe and go, oh, hey, this is it. Now, why is it important that he has signs and powers? It's going to unify everybody. Why? Because they're going to go, well, he's got something that we don't. He's going to be viewed like a a superhuman, a a superman. Notice this, the idea... Have you ever noticed that even the most popular of movies, most popular movies in the world, you look at the top, top movies in the world today that are most popular, are superhero movies, right? Now, I love Batman and Spider-Man and all the mans right, as much as the next guy, right? Superheroes are cool. But why is there such an interest in it today? You ever notice that all of them, whether DC or Marvel, it doesn't matter which side you pick, you look at any of these box office superhero movies, they all have the same plot. What's the plot? Here it is. There is a villain who's coming from outside the world and a superhuman being leads people against him and thwarts him to save the world. So, here's what we understand. In our case, Christ is coming and he's the only superman that there is. He is the God-man. He is the Lord. However, in the rest of the world, in Mr. Religion and every other religion outside biblical Christianity, They believe much like the Marvel series and everything else, except they believe that Jesus is going to be the evil one who comes as an alien out uh, out of space, if you will, who comes uh, against us, against the world, and there's going to be a man with superhuman powers, the Antichrist, who's going to lead us against him to defend and save the world. That's what the world believes. That's what the mystery religion believes. That's what the rest of the world believes believes. That's why they will believe and follow the Antichrist. And that's why the book of Revelation talks about this. When judgment and wrath is being poured out upon the world during that seven year tribulation period, it says that, not that they repent, it says rather that they curse the Lamb. Because they know it's Him. They curse Him. That's what takes place here at Babel. It is a foreshadowing and a picture of what the end times world is going to do. They will still yet rebel and go, we'll make our own tower, we'll make our own heaven, we'll make our own Garden of Eden. We'll make our own everything. We are our own God. There will be a false peace. There will be a false unity. It will be a false religion, a false political system, a false unification, a false Messiah. Ultimately, what we find is that the devil, whenever he works, he works on falsehoods. Now, he presents his falsehoods like a truth. You ever known someone that's a liar and they're good at it? Now, when they present their lying, they sound pretty truthful. Until you learn that their character and nature is just a lie, and then you start not even taking things with a grain of salt, you just stop believing them altogether. You don't believe no word they say. Now, why I say that? It's because we have to understand this. What we find is that this whole idea of falsehood is that it is going to be presented as truth, but it's nothing but deception. If you wanted to deceive people, what would you do? I wouldn't stop giving the truth. I would just mask it. I wouldn't stop giving the truth, I would just add some non-truth with it, right? If I wanted to poison you slowly, without you noticing, how would I do it? Would I give you one big heaping spoonful of poison? No. I'd give you something that you like, that tastes good, with just a little bit of the poison with it. Slowly, but surely, you're going to go, why am I getting so sick? I keep eating the things that I love. Everything should be getting better, but yet I'm slowly getting sicker and sicker until death. Ultimately, this is what we find that the work of the Satan does. It is a slow but sure and painful death, one that presents truth, one that presents love, one that presents unity, but ultimately does not bring about peace, does not bring about the promises that it offered. Ultimately, it is lies, deception, and leads to destruction. Now, what takes place here in Genesis 11, 1-4 is the physical outworking of the spiritual idolatry of mystery religion that we saw there in the Garden of Eden with the doctrine of the serpent. Notice this, all right? The whole earth was one language, And one speech, right? There's this unity that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? It came to pass. Now, here's what we have to understand. And it came to pass. What came to pass? Some time. How much time? I don't know. We're not told. But there's clearly some time that takes place. More than likely, what is taking place in that, and it came to pass, is much of Genesis chapter 10, a a creating of generations. And at this point in time, with the Tower of Babel, it is safe to say that there are at least millions again in the world. Remember, Genesis chapter 10 is not a list, a directory of every soul that's alive. Rather, it's all of the males that are listed in the lineage. But notice, they're having, they're having girls, they're getting married, they're having children, and not all the children that are had are listed. So there are plenty of folks in the world during this time. Furthermore, it says, and it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, we talked about that last week, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. They find a beautiful, lush area And they're going to go, well, we're going to make this our home. We're going to make this our Garden of Eden. We're going to make this our kingdom. We're going to make this our own heaven. And they said one to another, notice this false unity working together. Go to let us make brick and burn them through it. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. They make a play and they're going to go, we're going to make us a city. We're going to make us a place of worship because ultimately every society, as we're going to see, is built around worship. Every culture is built around religion. Every single one. Everyone. Even a godless culture is built around religion. It's a godless religion, but it's religion nonetheless. Every human being is spiritual. Everyone. The issue is the object of what we put our trust and our faith in. He says in verse 4 And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower. The idea here of city and tower, it is not merely just. We're going to build us a village and a, and a little you know building over, overlooking it, a guard tower. No, no, no. This is a civilization. This is groundworks of civilization, as they had before the flood, by the way. But this civilization is being built on godlessness, idolatry, paganism, mystery religion, ultimately rejection of God because here's what they say. We want to make a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. Now, the idea is this. Not that it would build it so high that it goes up to the heavens. They're not so foolish. The idea is that it would rival the kingdom of heaven. That it would be a kingdom that is against the kingdom of heaven. That it would be a kingdom that is against the kingdom of God. Ultimately, that this city and this tower is going to be a bulwark of mystery religion and idolatry in all the world. It will be one big fist being shaken at God. That's what this is. Absolutely. Yes, we're going to get into that hopefully tonight if I can talk faster. (laughs) Yes, but the tower. We have to think tower. We're not talking about tower of pizza here, right? We're talking about pyramids. Now, pyramids. uh, They're also called in the Eastern culture ziggurats. You ever heard of that? Not cigarettes. Ziggurats. (laughs) You get cigarettes down in Winston Salem, right? (laughs) Here's here's what we see: the ziggurats or pyramid. Now, at the point, this is where uh, much of their idolatry sacrifice is going to be taking place. And ultimately, the imagery of a pyramid is still used today. When you see folks who are doing stuff like this, right? You see a lot of pop stars do this. You see a lot of uh, music and and celebrities do this. This is all seeing eye. Matter of fact, you know where else you'll find this? On your dollar bill. That's right. Now, what is this? As we talked about, this is the idea of a higher knowledge, all seeing eye. This goes back to paganism and uh, this idea of mystery religion of worshiping, Anyone and anything other than God himself. It is rejection of God being God. It is uh, an acceptance and a belief that you are your own God, that you have your own. It is the idea, too. We think of this. Uh, what, what is the, the motto in the back of the dollar bill? Out of many, one. Now, that sounds good because we always say that America is a melting pot, right? It's really not, is it? You really think America is a melting pot? We haven't melted together. No, no, no. Think about, the, think about all the division that's there. That's not melted together. Furthermore, the idea, the, the idea of a civilization melting together is that every religious, spiritual, political, economical barrier is broken down so that we are all together. So out of many religions, out of many faiths, it's really just one. That's what's on the back of your dollar bill. But think about that. What's on your dollar bill? Mystery religion. So here's what I want you to do. At the end of the night, I want you all to take all your dollar bills, collect them. I'll take them, and I'll hold it for safekeeping, okay? (laughs) No, I'm not telling you to go home and burn your dollar bills, all right? Because I can tell you this. I worked in a credit union before. I was a teller in a bank. And if you think that your money is available in the bank, it's not, all right? So you know what money you have? Whatever you got in your pocket, okay? Now, I hate to tell you that, but that's just a plain fact of the matter. Now, with all this, here's what we find. What we see here, as we just read in verse 1 through 4, is that this is the physical outworking of what the inward heart has done. This is the physical manifestation of the inward mystery religion and, and, and faith system. The people and plot of the passage show physically what it looks like to practice mystery religion and give us a picture of what is not only happening today, but will reach its peak with the Antichrist. Let me ask you, do you think societies are doing this today? Absolutely. America is doing this today. Every other society and culture is doing this today. It is a race to see who can be number one. It is a race to see. Matter of fact, we find this from the very beginning of time and civilizations that every civilization empire is seeking what? World domination. You say, well, America's not seeking world domination. Baloney. Baloney. We've made sure that English is the most common language spoken, that it is the trade language, that the dollar is the trade. This is why everyone right now is finally getting nervous about stuff going on with China and going, wait a minute, they don't want to play ball with our currency anymore. They don't want to play ball with our stuff. Think about this. The whole world is facing these issues. Why? Because every other nation and power group is fighting for power. Every other empire, every other country today wants to take the place of Babel. Everyone wants to be the next one that says, We're the head honchos, you answer to us. Because ultimately what we find is that all that man's sin does is prideful, is seeking power and authority that does not belong to them. Now the characteristics of the doctrine that we see with uh, Nimrod, with the people of Babel, with these Babylonians, with those who practice mystery religion, is first of all that it is idolatrous in nature. It is either polytheistic, which means many gods, or it is atheistic, which is no gods or no God. It is immoral in practices, self-exalting, and the goal of global unification. Now we have to understand that every sinful culture and every sin itself is built around idolatry. Where there is a denial of God, there will be a denial of His Word and a, uh, a desire to sin and to go and to pleasure oneself. Idolatrous in nature at its very core. It is immoral in its practices. Here's what we know about much of Babel in early culture. Even just digging up much of the Babylonian Empire that's going to come about uh, th- eight, uh, about a thousand years later, here's what we know about them. Same thing that we know about the Greeks and the Romans and the Persians and the Assyrians. They were pagan, idolatrous, right? Full of idols everywhere. And they were immoral people. Full of sexual perversion. Full of violence. Full of all sorts of issues. Most every empire practiced slavery, polygamy, uh, all sorts of uh, sexual uh, deviancy and perversion. Much was used in their acts of worship. Can you imagine such? It's wicked. Temple prostitutes. Now, this has been happening for thousands of years. You find as well that it ultimately it is self exalting in its nature. Any doctrine that you have that lifts you up. Now notice this, lifting you up and encouraging you are two different things. All right? The Bible and every doctrine of the Bible including the hard ones that we struggle with encourage us. Why? Because they show us Christ. They show us who we are in him. They show us that while we did not obey, while we could not save ourselves, Jesus did so for us. But lifting up ourselves, that is what this mystery religion does. It is self-exalting. So here, let me give you a taste of this. this. Is what it looks like. I want you to have every day a Friday. I want you to live your best life now. That's mystery religion, right? That, that, yeah, that's Joel Osteen. In case she's wondering, yeah, we got a winner over here. I'll get you a piece of candy after church, right? Yes, that's mystery religion. It, 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 here's what we've got to understand: that this idea of self exaltation. What did Lucifer do? I will be like the Most High. I will ascend. Satanism. It's occultic. It's wicked. It's vile. Now, this is not to pick on a guy who can smile. He's a better communicator than I am. He's got a better smile than I got. Now, he ain't got this dimple. But he's got a suit and a smile. But I want you to know, we've got to understand the practices mystery religion. Folks don't like that. I got someone who I love. They're going to watch this. They'll get upset about it. They'll be all right. I want you to know, we've got to be careful with these things. Why? Because anything that makes us exalted ultimately is trying to put us on the place that only Jesus belongs. All right? Now, furthermore with this, we've got to see that the doctrines of this are also the goal of global unification. Now, here's what we've got to see as well, what's happening today. It was earlier this year or late last year that they brought together... Christian, Jews, and Islam all built a compound where they each built a house of worship together. And they all say, we all stand as one together. I want you to know, we do not stand together as one. We do not believe the same Jesus. The Jews deny Jesus as God and as Messiah. The Muslims deny Him as God and Messiah. Therefore, it ain't the same. Therefore, they don't agree with us and darkness and light can't have fellowship together. And matter of fact, the darkness hates the light. So where we find this ecumenical culture that we're seeing today, it is the goal of rallying everyone together just to focus not on our theological differences, but rather to see we're all just one. No, we ain't. Far from it. Those practice those that practice mystery religion will practice all of these things. They will practice idolatry and moral behavior self-exaltation, and seeking of global unification, it will look one of two ways. One, that we'll deal with here, ecumenicism, which is the gathering together of all faiths, saying, well, we're all just together. You know, uh, our, our Muslim brothers, they're not my brother. Right? Our Hindu brothers, they're not my brothers. Right? But we've got to see, that is what ecumenicism, it is a bringing together of all sorts, and it is a total denial of what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches Yes, that we should have unity. But we must have unity over truth. If you have unity over falsehood, it's worthless. It's worthless. It goes against the Lord. This is why doctrine matters. This is why biblical separation is biblical. Now, this does not mean we go, well, I'm a Baptist, so I only listen to Baptists. I want you to know in the Baptist world, there's a whole lot of Baptists I won't listen to and and fellowship with because their beliefs are wackadoodle. Now here, what do we got to understand? It's going to be ecumenical and universal. Why? Because ultimately those that practice this are hopefully practicing these things while they all wait for a leader to come and unite the world. They're waiting for an antichrist. But they're going to think it's the Christ. This is the deception. This is why biblical separation is needed. This is why biblical doctrine is needed. Ultimately the only doctrine is that that they believe is that man should do as he pleases and believe as he pleases. Every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. That's the doctrinal statement of mystery religion. That's the that's the status quo. That is the mission and vision statement of mystery religion. Do as you please. Every every famous occultist right, occult leader right, has always promoted that same exact thing. Y'all ever heard of uh, Aleister Crowley before? Anyone? Okay, all right, one of you. All right. Uh, fun fact: Ozzy Osborne wrote a song about him one time. Okay, so there's that. I, I grew, I grew up by pagans, even, so. <laughs> Nevertheless, Aleister Crowley was a practicing occultist. Uh, he practiced the occult, and his famous idea is this: that the only thing that matters is that you do what you want. That spiritually, you should do whatever you want. That's what the occult does. That's what Satan deceives us to do. I want to get into this and we'll, and we'll wrap up. I'll be able to touch it. I'll have to probably come back and go back over it some more. I got caught up. I wasn't expecting that. Who'd have thought? Now, I want us to understand before we move any further this. This matters because there's a lot of stuff that is labeled as Christian today that is not Christian. Right? Think about this. You ever got something... You ever went through a drive through and you have, a, have the label as saying something, and then you open it up and it's not that? That's what much of modern-day Christianity is doing. It is saying, oh, it's Christian. But we also do all the stuff that Hindus, Buddhists, uh, Satanists, and every other religion does. We're practicing mystery religion and Eastern mysticism, but we just want to call it Christianity because we say the name Jesus and Holy Spirit. There's a danger, folks. This is a major danger, right? This is major, because what this has done is it has deceived the masses. It has caused countless to fall away, overthrown the faith of many. Many have walked away. Uh, Many are saying, well, I'm a Christian, but I I don't believe the Bible. Well, if you're a Christian, you're going to believe the Bible, because the Bible teaches us to be a Christian and tells us what a Christian is in the first place. Now, this unholy trinity of mystery religion that we've got to see here is this. The whole earth is full, language, right? We see all this together. Now, we were introduced to Nimrod in chapter 10. Now Here's what's going to happen with mystery religion early on. Nimrod is going to be viewed as the God of sun. His wife, Semiramis, which will come later on, will be that of the moon. Tammuz will be that of the stars. Now, hold your place there. I'll do the turning for you just to help us out with a little bit of time. As we look in the Old Testament, we find that Israel goes into idolatry, don't they? All right? Y'all read the Old Testament? If you haven't, I'll go ahead and tell you. Israel falls into idolatry. All right? I hate to break it to you. But in Jeremiah chapter 44, verse 17, I'll go back to verse 15. It says, Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods. What's that? Idolatry. And all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. That's what idolatry does. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth. Look at that. It's almost like I told y'all what they said. Self-exaltation. We, do what you want. That's the occult practice. That's mystery religion. Do as thou wilt. That's the religion. He says... To burn incense unto the Queen of Heaven. Let me ask you this Is there a Queen of Heaven today? Is there a Queen of Queen and a Lord of Lords? No. Who's the Queen of Heaven here? Well, you trace her back and you follow along. It's a Semiramis. Furthermore, goes on he says, and to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings, our princes, the cities of Judah, and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals, and were well, and saw no evil. He said, we loved idolatry, because everything was going good when we had idolatry. Everything was going great. We had whatever we wanted. Our flesh was filled. Sin is fun for a season. Do not get it twisted. Sin is fun. Mankind loves sin, but it don't make it right. And in fact, what we find is that. They continued in this practice, and God was sore displeased, angry. His anger waxed hot. Jeremiah preached to them. They would not repent. We see then later on, as she is mentioned, over in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 8. Ezekiel's dealing with much the same in his own ministry. Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 13. He said also unto me, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. Who's the they? That's the people. That's the people that's supposed to follow God, to trust Him. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Notice this. Brought to the gate of the Lord's house. What's that? That's the temple. Now what's supposed to happen at the temple? The worship of Yahweh. The worship of Jehovah God, the God of the covenant, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who is delivered and saved to see what, the God who created all things, the one true God, the I am that I am. And what happened? There, they find women weeping for Tammuz. These are priestesses of mystery religion worshiping Tammuz, who was the son of Semiramis, allegedly to be the son of perhaps Nimrod. Nevertheless, we find that many historians believe that upon Nimrod's death, that Semiramis took over as queen, bearing Tammuz, declaring herself to have conceived as a virgin, the reincarnated Nimrod. Hindus did not invent reincarnation. Neither did Buddhists. Babel did. Mystery religion did. That's where they cut it from. Now, here's what happens. Soon after, the culture then focused on the goddess worship. And it began. This is why we find later on goddess worship of fertility with folks like Ishtar. Y'all ever heard of Ishtar, right? These false gods and goddesses that are worshipped for fertility. Now how would they worship these gods and goddesses of fertility? Some would sacrifice children. Some would sacrifice burnt offerings. Some would sacrifice drink offering, And the sexual perversion of acts that would take place in worship of these gods and goddesses in order that these gods and goddesses would then allow them to conceive. You know what God says about these idols? He says it multiple times in the Old Testament. He says, they've got hands, but they can't feel. They've got eyes, but they can't see. They've got ears, that they can't hear. They've got mouths, but they can't speak. Yet these folks weeped and prayed and gave their very lives to these idols. That's what mystery religion teaches us that we ought to do. It convinces us that it's the only thing that we should do. Here's what we find that Satan's goal is to imitate and to infiltrate. He always imitates the work of God, but he infiltrates the mind of folks and he deceives quickly. Well, this is also what we find tonight, and we'll have to bring this to a close here. This is what we find is what is called the divine feminine. This is the worship of goddesses. This is the exaltation of feminine deity. This is the idea of where we get modern day feminism from. This is the idea of that the female is a goddess. Let me break this down a little bit, maybe help you out. We think of songs like this, and this is going to sound silly. Y'all ever seen them, them leg shaving commercials, I'm Your Venus, right? You know who Venus was? goddess. That's right. You know what's so popular today for most average female celebrities to talk about? Being a queen. We're goddesses. Now God does not hate women and neither do I. I'm married to one. It's right there. But we are not gods and goddesses. We are not kings and queens. We are but dust. And here's what we've got to understand. Is that the worship of a woman deity... What does this do? This is, this is the goal of Satan. Why? Let's, let, let me make this pretty, pretty plain and clear. God is not a woman. God is our heavenly... Jesus put on flesh, became a... That's right. God established male and female. He created them that way. Why? For a reason. Not because women are inferior to men. Not whatsoever. However... In this, we understand that men have certain roles and women have certain roles. God intended it that way. Why? Because when they come together, there is nothing more beautiful than a marriage that works and that gives glory to God where the woman, the wife, lives as God has called her to live. And it's a higher calling than we can imagine because the husband can't do what the wife can do and the wife can't do what the man is supposed to do. And here's what has happened in our society today is that we have switched everything. We have feminized our culture. We have feminized our worship. And so this is why we're okay with pop culture songs, that you'll believe God is a woman. This is why we're okay with Bible translations today and, and folks who are praying to God and making God gender neutral. God is not gender neutral. Now this is foolishness, but what we find is that this is the infiltration of misreligion all over the place. There are folks that call themselves Christian today, and they pray to God as if He is a woman. Mother God. How about this? I'm sure you've heard this. Mother Earth. You ever heard of Mother Earth? Do you think that's Christian? No. Not whatsoever. You know what Mother Earth comes back to? Sam Aramis. Now this worship of this is what we're going to... I've got to bring this home. I know this. Here's what we've got to do. I want to give you these examples real quick. Notice, notice on your sheet here. Right? Notice on your sheet. We'll get more into it next week. We find Semiramis and Tammuz, who would eventually be known in the Old Testament as Baal. Y'all ever heard of Baal worship? That's who Israel and Judah fell to over and over and over again. China has their version. India has their version. The Ephesians had their version. Egypt had their version. Israel had their version. Rome, Greece. We found all throughout the world they had their version of Semiramis and Tammuz. Why? because all of this boils down to what takes place here at the Tower of Babel. Absolute idolatry, absolute paganism. What we find is that, uh, as the front of your uh, sheet will tell you, the one that's got this section here, as it talks about historical accounts discuss this, what we just talked about is that uh, he married Semiramis, was later killed. She soon became pregnant and claimed that her unborn son was a miracle. Nimrod reincarnated. The father became the son and ought to be worshipped as well as the mother. This mother son false religion soon spread throughout the world and is known by many different religions with slight variations. You can see that below. And you might be wondering right now, why is there a Mary and Jesus on there? Catholics pray to Jesus right? and Mary. They pray to. Me. Now, here, who do we pray to? We pray to our heavenly Father, through our mediator, Jesus Christ, who is making intercession for us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't pray to Mary. We don't pray to the saints. We do not believe that Mary was a perpetual virgin. You want to know why? The Bible says she had kids. It does not say that those kids came out the same way that Jesus did. As a matter of fact, it says it's quite the opposite. Now we've got to understand this. You go into modern-day cathedrals, and you find. And you'll hear it called, maybe not Mary and Jesus, but you'll hear Madonna and Child. You heard that, right? And here's what happens is folks are duped to believe that they need to pray to her. Now they say, We don't worship Mary. Here's what they say they say, We venerate her. You explain to me the difference between veneration and worship, and I'll give you a dollar, right? That line is so blurred. And, and here's what we've got to understand. It's that there's well-meaning folks, but they're deceived all over the world today. Sadly today, the number one group that leaves for false religions, you want to know? Baptists. More Baptists become Seventh-day Adventists or uh, Mormons more than any other group. You say, well, how could that be? I can tell you. Because we don't study the Bible let alone believe the Bible, as we ought to. My prayer is that as we study these things, that we would not be so focused in looking for an Antichrist every, around every corner and looking for pagan symbols everywhere, but rather our eyes would be open to see the glory of God, how He has saved us and translated us from darkness to light, that He has given us His Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, to cause us to discern the times and the things around us, and ultimately to discern the Word of God so that we would know how to rightly divide it, so that we would rightly live it, so that we would rightly preach it, so that we would live in contrast to this world, and that we would look forward to the day that He takes us out of here. As we'll pick up next week, we're going to trace and see how every religion has this unholy trinity And has this whole idea of goddess worship and a worship of a mother and a son deity, and we're going to see how ultimately that God, in the middle of all this rebellion, yet uses what they meant for evil, He means it and brings about good with it. He spreads them throughout the world, ultimately to bring about the descendants of Shem, which will bring Christ the Lord. Christ has come; He has died; He was buried. He rose again, He ascended, He's coming back. And I want to make sure that I do my dead level best to make sure that when He comes back, that I'm able to say that I taught you the Word of God and that we believed and lived the Word of God as He wanted us to. The Bible tells us that we are to not be yoked up with the world. matter of fact, we're we're told this. We'll, We'll end this this way. Romans 12 tells us this. Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Today what we need is this. We need a transformation of our minds and our hearts. To believe the Word of God that we would be transformed and conformed to the image of Christ, not conformed to the image of the world. The image of the world says, do as thou wilt. The Lord says, do as I will. Do as I say. Look to Christ and live. Tonight as we bring this to a close, let's pray and let's ask the Lord for the help that we need in today's world to see these things around us, but ultimately to look and to listen for Christ's coming. Lord, we love You. We thank You for this time. We're grateful that we could look to Your Word and study these things. God, as we see such idolatry and paganism and religion all around us, Lord, we're reminded of the sinfulness. We're reminded of the sin curse. But Lord, we're also reminded of the fact that one day, every religion, every rebel that is contrary to Your Word, that is contrary to Your will, one day You will put them under Your feet. You will laugh them to derision. God, that You alone stand as God alone. And Lord, we're grateful that we have received Your grace, that we have been born again, not by works that we have done, but by Your mercy. Lord, so that we might know You, that we might enjoy You and, and, and be with You forevermore. Lord, help us in today's world to know Your Word, to study Your Word, to see these things around us. God, that our eyes would be open to see the things that aren't truly Christian and aren't truly glorifying to You and aren't truly according to Your Word. And Lord, that we would try the spirits, that we would test these things according to Your Word. And God, that You'd be glorified that we would be obedient to You and faithful to You. Lord, help us to know You more. Lord, we love You. We thank You for this time. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.